Take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of John, chapter 14. We are in a series of sermons that you requested called Frequently Asked Questions. And we're talking about those things that you're wondering about, and one of those things is the topic of heaven. And so today we're going to ask the question, what will heaven be like? Now that's a topic that gets discussed sometimes more than we realize. People talk about things being heavenly. Somebody will talk about something being heaven on earth. Uh, we ate out last night, and at the end of the meal, my wife, not me, so you're not concerned about my diabetic problem of sweets here, ordered a chocolate chimichanga. And all of God's people said, Amen. And it came out in that fried chimichanga shell with chocolate filling and whipped cream on the side, and the chocolate just drizzled on the top. And I want to tell you right now, there are some things in life that do feel like you get experience as close to heaven as you can imagine. And I only had one or four bites of the chocolate chimichanga. But people talk about things, and they, they say, what is heaven going to be like? I, uh, You know, sometimes conversations get started. I wonder if they'll have this in heaven. I wonder if there'll be sports in heaven. I wonder if there'll be jobs in heaven. I wonder if there'll be, uh, if we'll recognize relatives in heaven. We'll talk about a little bit of that today. Uh, I even saw a commercial online this week uh, wondering if there would be sonic tater tots in heaven. That I'm not so sure about. Yesterday, as I was leaving uh, this place, being here for a birthday party, I was driving home, and as I was driving, a song came on the radio, and on my satellite radio, the name of the song, as I'm flipping through the channels, comes up so you can tell what's on, and the name of the song was, Everybody Wants to Go to Heaven, or something like that. And it was by an artist named Kenny Chesney. Anybody here know Kenny Chesney? You know who he is? All right. He's a good Tennessee ball boy. Kenny Chesney wrote this song, apparently, and I, I thought, well, you know, I'm talking on heaven tomorrow. It is my moral obligation to listen to this song to see what he's talking about. The second verse of that song says that he tells the preacher, maybe he didn't see me throw an extra 20 in the plate. There's one for everything I did last night and one to get me through today. And here's a 10 to help you remember next time you got the good Lord's ear. Say, I'm coming, but there ain't no hurry. I'm having fun down here. The chorus says, everybody wants to go to heaven, get their wings and fly around. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody want to go now. And I thought about as I listened to that song, this common misconception about what heaven is. I used to be a big fan of the Far Side cartoon. I have a little strange sense of humor, and I enjoy that cartoon series. And in one particular series, it shows a guy sitting on a cloud with his halo and the heart beside him, and he's sitting there with his hands on his chin, and he simply says, I should have brought a magazine. Anybody remember the book Adventures of Huckleberry Finn? In that book, Huckleberry is talking about Miss Watson, and Miss Watson had told him about heaven, and he says, she went on and told me all about the good place. 
She said all the body would have to do there was go around all day long with a harp and sing forever and ever. So I didn't think much of it. I asked her if she reckoned Tom Sawyer would go there, and she said not by considerable sight. And I was glad about that because I wanted him and me to be together. There's this idea out there that heaven is basically going to be an all-eternity sing-fest. In fact, a popular Christian author named John Eldridge in his book, The Journey for Desire, says that nearly every Christian I have spoken with has some idea that eternity is an unending church service. We have settled on an image of the never-ending sing-along in the sky, one great hymn after another, forever and ever, amen, and our heart sinks forever and ever. That's it? That's the good news? And then we sigh and feel guilty that we are not more spiritual. We lose heart and we turn once more to the present to find what life we can. One of the realities is that nobody on this earth knows what heaven is like. The reality is for us to fully understand what heaven is like, we would have to go to heaven. And it's kind of a one-way trip, right? There are no return flights, at least not yet. And what Scripture teaches us about heaven is that it's not this place where we're going to sing unending songs forever. Now, I enjoy singing. I love singing. I am sure part of heaven will be hearing music like we just heard. I'm sure of that. But that's not all that heaven is going to be like. Now, today I am not going to set out to answer every possible question you might have about heaven. Let me tell you a great book out there. Some of you like to read. Uh, some of you may not. That's okay. If you like to read, let me tell you a great book that gives you a lot of answers. It's a book called Heaven, novel title there, by Randy Alcorn. I'm not going to try to answer every question, but we are going to look at some basics. And so in John chapter 14, we have one of Jesus' teachings about heaven. Chapter 14, starting in verse 1. This is the night before Jesus' crucifixion. This is uh, after he's washed the disciples' feet. He's doing a little teaching. And he says right from the beginning, do not let your hearts be troubled. In fact, the proper understanding of that, the proper translation of that is stop letting your hearts be troubled or quit worrying or quit being concerned. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's home are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And Thomas spoke up and said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus says in verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Three things I want us to notice in this passage of Scripture that help us to understand what heaven will be like. Then the first thing is this, is that heaven is a place. Heaven is a place. Right there, Jesus says, I go there to prepare a place for you. Heaven is a place. Now, studies and statistics show that an overwhelming majority of people still believe in heaven. In fact, the truth is that if you look at what's happening in our culture, the older people get, the more they believe in heaven. 
the closer people get to their destiny with death, their date with death, those that are growing older in our society believe in heaven as much as they ever have. In fact, uh, one pastor said he has had conversations with thousands of people who say that they're not believers in Christ, but he said he has yet to find someone that has a well-thought-out argument for why they don't believe in heaven. He said he was on a plane one day, and he was uh, studying for uh, his sermon, and a lady said to him, why are you reading all that stuff? I believe this helps me to live my life like I ought to, and it prepares me for my life after this life. And she said, well, that's a bunch of nonsense. And he says, why do you say that? She said, I just don't believe in anything after this, that once you die here, your candle is extinguished. And he says, well, well ma'am, I, I don't understand that. I, he said, I believe that this book, the Bible, tells me all I need to know about the fact that there is something out there. Most great civilizations have thought that. Why do you think that? And she said, well, I read a book one time that told me there was no heaven. He said, you did. She said, I read a book. He said, do you know the author? She said, I can't even remember the author's name. He said, is it possible that two hours after reading that book or two years after writing that book, he decided that there was a heaven and went back on what he thought? She said, I guess that's possible. He said, so what you're telling me is you're basing the fact that there's no heaven on your thought that this guy that you can't even remember his name wrote a book that he may or may not agree with at this time thinks that there wasn't a heaven at that time. He said, I choose to believe God's word. You see, there are three reasons that we can believe that there is a heaven in the first place. And first of all, we believe there is a heaven because Jesus taught it. Right here, John 14, he tells them, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Now, understand, the word place there means a real place. It doesn't mean an imaginary place. It doesn't mean a state of mind place. It means a very real place. Place. Now, also understand this. It doesn't mean that if we can get a telescope that's big enough, we can see it. It doesn't mean somewhere out in the universe is a planet called heaven. It's a real place. It's just not in the realm that we're thinking. You know, when in, in biblical times and in ancient times, there were people that weren't believers in Yahweh or in God that thought if you just got high enough, you could see heaven. You might remember the famous uh, quote from the uh, cosmonaut that went up into heaven, uh, went up into space, and went around and called back down to that atheist stalwart at the time and said, "I have been to the heavens, and there's no evidence of God." One Christian philosopher said he didn't look in the right place. If he would have gotten outside of the spaceship without anything on, he would have found God real quickly. You can't go there. In a ship. We can't build a spaceship big enough. We can't get a telescope big enough. It's not in the kind of space that we think of, but it is a real place. Here's the thing that you and I have to accept about heaven there are things that you and I don't understand. There are things that you and I don't understand. Here's the reality I don't understand everything that goes on in this world. Anybody here got it all figured out? I have uh, on my internet homepage, I have on the left-hand side a column that gives me a how-to or how it works every day. And there are parts of this world that I still have no clue how it works. I watch the opening ceremonies on Friday night. 
They were parts of that thing. I have no idea how they did it. I mean, I know what they told me they did, but I don't know how they got that to actually work like they were supposed to work. And so if I are parts of this world and things that happen here that I don't have a clue about how they operate or where it is or what's happening, then I am for sure that there are parts of heaven that God created in another reality that I don't know about. So it's a place. Jesus taught it. Another reason is to understand that our hearts long for it. In Scripture, it puts it this way. It's that God puts eternity in the hearts of men. The truth is that every great civilization has had some concept of an afterlife. The Egyptians, you watch any of the Discovery Channel Egyptian shows and they go into the tombs. In the tombs, you find all kinds of gold and treasure, right? Why? Because they thought they could take it with them. You look at the ancient Romans, they thought that they would end up in the Elysian fields. You read ancient epics like Gilgamesh, and there's some concept of an afterlife. The Finns believed it. The aborigines of of Australia, the Mexican civilizations, Peruvian civilizations, the Polynesians, every great civilization that has ever existed has had some concept of the afterlife. And even when the government tries to tell you it's not there, people still believe it. Mentioning the Olympics, China has the uh, approved church mentality, but for many years under communist rule, them and the USSR tried to tell people there's no God, there's no religion, but the churches grew faster in those countries during the communist years than they had in the years before. People just believe it in their heart. And here's the last reason we can believe. Jesus' resurrection confirms it. Jesus says, I Live And because I live, you also shall live. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he shall die, yet shall he live. There's this reality that Jesus confirmed it in his resurrection. Now, I didn't even put in there the rest of the New Testament teaching and Paul's teaching and Revelation's teaching about the new heaven and the new earth. You do realize that the new heaven and the new earth will come at the end of time, and so you and I will live in a heaven or on an earth that does not exist at the moment. You ever thought about that? Even heaven's going to be recreated. At least that's what it says in Scripture. So we understand that heaven is a place. Here's the second thing. Heaven is a glorious place. Heaven is a glorious place. I want you to say something with me, okay? Then I'm going to say it the first time, and then I want you to say it with me. Heaven will not be boring. All right? Can you say that? Heaven will not be boring. Now, we're going to say it differently this time. We're going to emphasize the word will not, okay? So we're going to say heaven will not be boring. Okay? You ready? Heaven will not be boring. Now, there are people out there that think that heaven's going to be boring. That's what Kenny Chesney's saying. Lord, I know I need to go to heaven sometime, but can you wait a hundred years? I'm living too good down here. I just want you to know right now that the person, whoever it is, whoever the person is on this earth that has got the absolute greatest life, I don't know who that is. Maybe it's you. person that has the best life on this earth, their life would pale in comparison to the worst life in heaven. It's going to be a glorious place, a glorious existence. Here's the first thing we understand. We're going to live in a glorious world. 
There are some parts of this earth that just take my breath away when I see them. Still, when we drive east and into East Tennessee and you see the mountains that are there. We went to my nephew's wedding, Susan's nephew's wedding recently. We drove through all those mountains on our way to Spartanburg, South Carolina. And we drove under the mountain through that tunnel. And when you're just surrounded on every side by God's creation, it's amazing. When you stand on the edge of a beach and you watch those waves roll in and you look out and all you see is water. When you get up in a plane and you fly over the terrain and you just look down and you just realize the immense nature of where we live. It's an amazing world in which we live. And this is the thing that I think about. Is that this world in which we live, even as amazing as it is, is still scarred by our sin. Scripture teaches us in Romans 8 specifically that this world longs to be what it's supposed to be. I just want you to think for a minute about the most beautiful place that you've ever seen. Whatever it is. And then I want you to imagine that that is but a shadow of what God can create. The reality is we're going to live in a glorious world. And here's another thing that's amazing about that is Scripture teaches us here, Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and it's a home that he's going to. It's in his Father's house, and that place will be there. Now, this is the passage of Scripture that sometimes gets the idea that we're going to have a mansion. I don't know if we're going to have mansions. I don't know what my house is going to look like in heaven. In fact, if you read this passage like it's literally interpreted or should be, what it seems to suggest is that there will be a great, huge home that we'll all live in together and we'll each have our own wing. Now, some of you say, now, wait a minute, Pastor. I want my mansion, all right? I want it up on a hill. I've heard Bill Gaither talk about it. I want it. Scripture teaches that we're going to have a place that would make anything here look small and ridiculous. But the key there is that we are going to be home. Most of you know that we've been here close to a year now. A few months of our time here in Goodlettsville, we lived in an apartment. and It was a, a great apartment. It was a great place to live. But it never felt like home. We searched and we searched. We looked and we looked. We drove all over this place. We went to every possible area we could think of. We looked for a house. We looked for a house. We found finally a house that we liked. We went and we purchased the house. Actually, the bank purchased the house. We're still kind of reconciling that with them, paying that. will be for a couple of, three decades. But the house became our possession or our ownership or we could live there and i remember after being there two or three days susan and i were just talking the boys were running around all over the place and i just remember saying to her it's good to see that the boys finally feel at home again i have a gps system y'all know that i've you know when we've been on a trip we've been somewhere we've been away for a couple of days you know my favorite thing about that gps is when I put where to, it has all these listings up there, and one of them just says, go home. And when I've been at seminary for a week and a half, 
or I've been on a vacation and we've been in a hotel for three or four days and I can push the button go home, it just feels good. When you pull into that driveway and you realize it's your home. Here's the reality. You wouldn't feel as comfortable in my home as I do. I don't feel as comfortable in your home as you do. That's what makes it my home. And what Scripture teaches is this glorious world we're going to live in, this unbelievable spectacle will not feel foreign to us. It will feel like home. We're going to live in a glorious world. We're also going to live as glorious people. Now, here's what Scripture teaches us, that when we get to heaven, we will be perfected. Now, that doesn't mean that we won't have things to learn. That doesn't mean that there won't be growing in heaven as far as our our lives are concerned. What it means is that we will no longer be without, or we will no longer be with sin, that we will be blameless and whole, that peace will reign in our lives, that there will be no strain on relationships. Here's the amazing thing. Scripture teaches us that when we get to heaven, we will have incredible, rich, long-lasting relationships. I want you to think for just a minute about the things in this life that cause you the most problems. And the truth is, when we get down to it, often the things in our lives that cause us the most problems are people. Interactions with people, disputes with people, things that are going on that causes us to have problems with people, or there are some failings in our own lives that cause us not to relate to each other like we ought to. But Scripture teaches when we get to heaven, this perfect, glorious world, that we will have incredible, rich fellowship. There'll be no loneliness. There'll be no isolation. There'll be no misunderstandings. You'll never say something to somebody and wonder if they understand what you're saying. You'll never talk to an individual and have to wonder if they're going to go tell it in a different way than it happened. You won't have to worry about conflict. You won't have to worry about the things that could come up in a relationship. The truth is that there will be perfect communication, constant understanding. It will be incredible, rich fellowship. Now, not only will we have incredible, rich fellowship, but we will have gloriously new bodies. Amen. Alan is excited about that. Anybody else excited about that? I am. Glorious new bodies. Scripture says that we are going to be fitted with a brand new body. No illness, no disease, no runny noses. No injuries, no scars, no marks, no, um, no, no worry about am I going to get myself hurt? No worry about children running around getting hurt. No worry about being uh, hit. None of that stuff. In fact, I mentioned the, uh, the, uh, the discussion on the commercial online about sonic tater tots in heaven. One of the guys on there says when we get to heaven, we're probably going to eat healthier food than tater tots. He said, because I don't think we're going to eat heart attack food when we get there. He said, heart attack food? There's no such thing as a heart attack in heaven. And all of God's people said, Amen. if I want to eat a chocolate chimichanga in heaven, I'm going to eat a chocolate chimichanga in heaven. Amen? And you are going to have to come and tell me, Pastor, do you need to be eating that right now? We're going to have glorious bodies that never get old, I don't think they'll ever get fat. 
I don't know that we'll all have perfectly healthy, muscled up body. I don't know what it'll look like. It's got to look better than what i got now, but I don't know what it's going to look like. We're going to have glorious new bodies. And as glorious people, we're going to be completely sinless and blameless. One of the things that I do on a regular basis on Sunday mornings is I get here pretty early on Sunday. I'm the first one in the building. And I spend time Sunday mornings talking with the Lord. Going over the week and some things that have been exciting to me, but also talking to Him about those areas of my life that I haven't done what I should. One of the things I pray on a constant basis is, Lord, I want You to use me this morning to speak to these people in spite of who I am. Because it's not because of my goodness that I'm up here. It's because of God's calling and His goodness. And here's the thing. We all have those areas in our lives where we're disappointed in who we are, in the things we say, in the things we think, in the things we do. When we get to heaven, all that stuff is going to be gone. John Orberg, in his book, The Life You've Always Wanted, that we'll be starting a, a discussion of tonight and discipleship training. He talks about that when he looks back on his life, those things that always get him are those, those things that he wished were different. That he would have done better, that he was a better person, a better giver, a better husband, a better father. And the reality is when we get to heaven, there will be no regret. There will be no what ifs. There will be no what if I had. There will be no mistakes. We'll live as glorious people. Here's the last thing. We'll live forever with a glorious God. There are a lot of great things that are going to be about heaven. Are there going to be sports in heaven? There may be. Are we going to work in heaven? Probably. But it won't be bad work. Remember in the garden, work wasn't bad. It was when they sinned that God made work hard. Are we going to be interacting with each other in heaven? Absolutely. In fact, heaven, in some ways, will resemble lots of what we do here on earth. Now, it'll be completely different, but it'll resemble in some ways what we do here on earth. But the thing that will not be like anything we have on earth is the closeness, is the intimacy that we will have with our glorious God. I mentioned the opening ceremonies. And... uh first few moments of that were just breathtaking. How many of you saw it? Let me, let me just see so I know who I'm talking to. Okay. You, you know the drum thing where they did the drums and the lights came on and they did the countdown and they had 2,008 people out there drumming at the same time and it was just mesmerizing. And I can't help but whenever I see one of those kind of spectacles that they spent some $300 million to produce. I can't help but look at that and think that that was their attempt to go all out to give praise to their country and the rest of the world invited in to be a part of this two-week sporting event. And I think in my mind, if God allows for my mind to be blown by what I saw on a television screen that humans put together with some money, What is it going to be like when we get to heaven and we're face-to-face with Him? What is that going to be like? I mean, can you imagine 
getting ready to start worship, and the first leads in worship are the archangels. They're going to lead off. And after the archangels, the rest of the angels, multitudes upon multitudes, are going to sing praise to Him. And then, after that, God's prized possession, which is us, gets to come to the front with our new bodies. And that for that me, that means a new voice is going to sing praise and honor and glory to God. And in the midst of it all, while here we have to imagine or think or focus on the Lord, there the light of heaven is given off by God's glory itself. And we will be face to face with the Creator of all creators, the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords. And we will be able to sit and look and sing in His presence the glory of His name. It is going to be unbelievable. And I don't use that word lightly right there, because when you get there, you're not going to believe it. Here's the last thing we see in this passage. Not only is heaven a place, it's a glorious place, but it's a glorious place for a prepared people. Look what he says. He tells them, you know, you're going to come. I'm going to have this home. I'm going to go prepare it. But this is what I love, is that Jesus is getting our place ready. I don't know if you've ever stayed in some fancy hotel or a nice place that when you walk into the room and the room is already prepared for you. Turn down service. Well, I don't know what Jesus is preparing, but he's been doing it for a while now. And with his power, it's probably going to be pretty nice. And so he says, so don't you worry. I'm going. I'll be there and I'll come back. And by the way, you know how to get there. And Thomas says, wait a minute, we don't. And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. One philosopher said that the only statistic that is 100% true 100% of the time is that 100% of people die. The reality is, if I took a poll in this room today, that if the Lord tarries is coming, as we talked last week about Him coming again, if the Lord tarries that for another 100 years, how many of us in this room would be alive now if we've got a couple of young children there's a chance they might be but the rest of us aren't going to be here and sometimes death comes gradually and sometimes death does come suddenly you know one of the things tom and i've talked about ministering in a church you realize that that sometimes you you in a church have a death that happens kind of isolated once in a while and sometimes they come all at once several people this morning have talk to me about Mr. Garrett's death over the last couple of days. I talked with him on Monday at the funeral and had a conversation, didn't seem anything was going on. Many of you in this room had conversations with him or have had conversations with people and, and then without any warning or notice, the Lord calls them. And the question we have to ask is, are we prepared for heaven? You know, as I ended last week with the question, are you ready? The question is, when it comes to heaven, are you prepared? God has prepared the place for you, but you must accept the invitation. And Graham Lotz, Billy Graham's daughter, has said that everyone is on the invitation list, but you must RSVP. And the truth is that what Jesus tells us here, that He 
tells us in a very plain way is the only way to make sure your spot in heaven is secure is to trust in Him. Thomas says, we don't know how to get there. And Jesus says, it's simple. The only way you get there is through the way, the truth, and the life. It's through me. I am the way. And so what we have to understand when it comes to this part about heaven, that we must be prepared at any moment. At any moment. In case it's our time. What is heaven going to be like? The truth is, I can't give you a good description because I don't really know. I have what the Scripture teaches. I have some ideas that I think are godly ideas, godly speculation, if you will. I don't really know, but I know this, that Scripture teaches that it is God's perfect creation restored. It's not going to be boring. It's not going to be something that when you get there you think, man... This isn't all it's cracked up to be. It's going to be the most glorious existence that God can imagine. But the real question is this morning, for those of us that are walking with the Lord, are we ready if that day comes? Are we living our lives, preparing here for what's going to happen there? Remember Jesus said, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth, but store up your treasures in heaven. Are you investing in heavenly things. I heard once somebody said, the old saying, that sometimes people get so heavenly minded they're no earthly good. You ever heard that? The problem is we got a lot of Christians that are so earthly minded they're no heavenly good. Are you investing in heaven? 